Hi everyone, I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Kristen Hawley. And this is a three-part mini-series from So You Want to Run a Restaurant, where we're covering the top problems facing restaurants and how tech can help solve them. Today we're excited to welcome Bo Davis, the co-founder and CEO of Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management platform that gives restaurant operators a real-time view of things like food and recipe costs, helping them to better understand their operating costs and make quicker, sharper decisions. Between inflation, rising labor costs, and supply chain challenges, keeping a handle on operating costs and finding ways to be more efficient is as critical as it has ever been before for restaurants across the country. So we're thrilled to have Bo with us today to talk about what drove him to create Margin Edge and what advice he has for restaurant operators looking to improve their efficiency and profitability. Thanks for joining Kristen and I today, Bo. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. I am super excited to talk to you today because you have this combination of tech entrepreneur and restaurateur. Can you take us through your background a bit and what led you to start your company? Sure. So I originally started my career in technology a long time ago, probably longer than I should say, but I sold my first company in the early 2000s and uh, was looking for something new to do. Um, and really, honestly, I tell people on basically a bad bet, a friend of mine, a banker and a lawyer, two friends of mine decided to start a business together and, uh, and we decided to go to the restaurant business. We were living in London at the time and there was a restaurant we loved there. And so we hired a chef and we brought him to DC and we opened our first restaurant and, uh, and we learned a lot. Uh, one of the things we learned very, very quickly was that the restaurant industry was much harder than it looked. Uh, I, I very quickly gained deep respect for restaurant operations. This is back in 2006. Um, but you know, the, the realization of just the challenge of managing variable revenue, right? Revenue changes very much day by day and variable costs, right? Your food and your labor are both variable to try and hit a 10% profit margin day by day really difficult. It's a difficult business, right? And people talk about the restaurant business being difficult because you've got labor issues and you've got all the, all the things that go along with running a good restaurant, the hospitality, the managing a back office, all of that. That's all hard, but really the math was hard. Just tracking and reporting on and understanding and trying to hit that 10% margin day to day with everything moving uh, was remarkably hard. And that was pre-pandemic. Um, so for about 10 years, I opened uh, a dozen restaurants all over the country, California, Texas, Florida, all over the place, um, and really, really got to know restaurant, restaurant operations quite well. And during that time period, just constantly tried to figure out better ways to get data faster and faster. Um, and so that's what led me to start Margin Edge. In 2015, I partnered with a gentleman who had been at the Outback Group, the uh, OSI brands, for a long time. The two of us came together and built Margin Edge with the sole purpose of making uh, data visible and easy for restaurant operators to be able to know what their costs were on a daily basis um, as they run the restaurants. And you know, obviously the pandemic made that, as you mentioned, Claudia, more important than ever, but it really it's always been difficult for restaurants. It's never been, it's never been easy. I mean, you've got, on a typical restaurant will buy 800 to 1,000 different things, right? They're managing all of this labor that's constantly turning over. A good restaurant's doing a couple million in revenue and spending one and a half million dollars and it's all variable. It's hard. You were talking about a 10% target margin, which sounds really high for the restaurant business actually, don't you think? Uh, no, I think 10% is, is very reasonable. I think if your profit margin is less than 10%, you are gonna really struggle to stay in business. Um, there are certainly restaurants operating at substantially above 10%. Um, my last restaurant that I currently own operates well above that. So you, you can get above it, but no, I think 10%, below 10%, you're gonna, 
because it's also a seasonal business, right? So most of them. So if you're uh, if you're not averaging ten percent, you're really losing money in the slow times. Can you give us a quick rundown on how specifically Margin Edge works for restaurants? Sure. Yeah. So Margin Edge is designed to make the back office operations for a restaurant easy. So it starts with uh, during onboarding, we integrate with your accounting system and your point of sale system, and so that allows us every night to pull everything you've sold. And then we have an app that you download that lets you take a picture of every invoice that comes into the restaurant. So the invoices, you take a picture, we process them overseas uh, and use a combination of technology and people to process that data. And basically what that does is it gives us everything you purchased through the invoices and everything you sold through the point of sale system. And because we're connected to your accounting system, all of that flows directly into the accounting system. Um, because we have all that data, that then allows us to set up your inventory sheets to make inventory easier with your prices always updated, uh, updates your recipes so you always know what your prices are per item that you're producing, um, and we can do reporting all the way down to actuals versus theoreticals, meaning how much sea bass did you buy, how much sea bass did you sell, uh, and how much was wasted, and so you can get down to item level um, uh, drill downs. But most importantly, it just gives you an, a, a view every day of your costs and your sales and let you know how you're doing as a business. Yeah. So obviously tracking operating costs is nothing new for restaurants, but I think the stress of the pandemic on supply chain and on food and labor costs has really made it all even more critical. I'm curious what you've observed from customers over the past couple of years when it comes to this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, everyone was everyone was tracking prior, but generally speaking, most people had the data on a delay. And so you would get your information at the end of a period or a couple of weeks after the end of a period. And, um, and that was always hard to manage your business. And then with the pandemic, it just threw everything completely out of whack, right? Because everything was changing even faster than previously. Um, what we saw in the data, so we work with about 3,000 restaurants, and what we saw with the data when COVID first hit was uh, about $2 billion in sales that our clients were doing. They're all small businesses, right? One to 20 restaurants generally. We're doing $2 billion in sales, and in 14 days, we saw that drop to $300 million. So we saw 85% of the revenue of these businesses disappear in 14 days. Wow. Um, and obviously through the summer and, and, and over, the, over the winter of that year, um, it was just, it was amazingly spiky. And, and one of the interesting data pieces we saw out of that too, is as sales started to come back, delivery, not surprisingly, was a huge percent. But when you think about it, pre-COVID delivery, at least in our data set, was about 5% of restaurants' businesses. Uh, we saw that peak at over 40% during the summer after COVID hit. Um, and so you think of a business that has run for X number of years, right, as a dine-in business that had a little bit of delivery on the side, um, having to switch to takeout and delivery. So everything from packaging to menu items to pricing to how you take your orders, all of it, right, changed dramatically. And then uh, interestingly, also, when you look at that trend of delivery, it came down quite a bit as people started to relax and as vaccines went out and, and uh, pre-Delta, when things started to get a little bit like normal, uh, we saw it come all the way back down to 10%. Uh, but then with Delta, it went back up again, right? And it didn't quite get back to the earlier peaks, but it got back up to about 25%, came down again, and now with Omicron, it's climbing. So there's just been a lot of dynamism in, the, in, the, um, in what you're selling. And so naturally, that forces you to rethink your operations um, pretty dramatically and your menus and your purchasing and everything. Did you make any changes to the platform because of COVID to address what restaurants needed? Honestly, no, not really. I mean, the interesting thing with Margin Edge is that it was already designed for real-time um, uh, 
to allow you to know real time in real time what your menu prices are, what your um, uh, what your purchasing is. You know, we have order guide management and price tracking for all of the items that you're purchasing, and so all of that was already in there. And um, and so no, there weren't a lot of of changes that needed to be made specifically for COVID. I will say the adoption of it changed. In other words, we had a lot of clients who used the software um, and maybe they used less features. Maybe they did inventory, but they didn't do theoreticals. Maybe they built some of their recipes, but they didn't have their full recipe book online. And we definitely saw broader adoption of the product by our existing clients. And you know, maybe more importantly, um, we saw restaurant operators start to adopt technology at a much faster rate. So as a company, we've been growing faster over the last 12 months than we were pre-COVID. Uh, we were growing healthily before COVID, but we grew 130% in the last year. Um, we added something like 1,600 restaurants, I think is the number, in the last 12 months. Um, and I think it really is. It's not that we changed what we were doing, per se. It's that um, it's that the need for this information and the openness to technology has, has changed. So it sounds like you didn't have to hard sell your product necessarily, and that restaurants saw a need for what you were offering. But restaurateurs can be pretty set in their ways of doing things, and introducing a new product can be challenging. Has the pandemic made that easier? Yeah, I actually, I, um, I don't really have the feeling that restaurateurs are less likely. I think business people don't change what they're doing in any business unless the incremental gain from technology is large enough to make it worthwhile. And I think restaurateurs sometimes get um, pigeonholed as being anti-technology, but I can tell you as a person who started a software company, successfully sold it, I was a programmer and very technical. I started a restaurant. I had a lot of people come in between 2005 and 2015, before I started Margin Edge, that were selling technology that was crap. There is a lot of technology that has been pitched to restaurateurs that just isn't very good. I think it's gotten a lot better over the last seven years, but for years and years and years. And so I think restaurateurs are naturally careful and jaded and 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 you know, not even today. There's a lot of technology pitched that just doesn't really make their lives any easier. It's got a, a it's got a subscription fee, but it doesn't really make life easier. And so, um, I think uh, I think I think they're rightfully careful. And and I I think the difference with Margin Edge is that because myself and my co-founder had both built and operated between the two of us 50 restaurants all over the country. Like we had a really strong idea of like what does it actually take to run a restaurant, and we. Yeah. Uh, we spent a lot of time building the product, three years in fact, before we hired a single salesperson or had a, spent a penny on marketing because we really wanted to get the product right. And not everybody does that. So it's interesting because you, coming from that kind of a background, what is it that you knew you wanted in the technology and what were the things, like from all the lessons learned running that restaurant and the technology you said there's so much on the market that's just kind of crap or not really efficient. What did you think when you built it and you said to yourself, hey, I know I need to have this and I know I don't want to have this and this is not something that actually works? Yeah, so so there's a lot of the, the restaurant management system segment where our software is. There are a lot of systems that are quite good that'll give great reports that have existed for years and years and years, but they take an enormous amount of data entry. If you think about, mm -hmm. like I mentioned earlier, for a restaurant, a typical restaurant will buy between 500 and 1,000 different things, between all the food, the napkins, the forks, the you know all of it, right? And so for, to really know what's going on with all of those things, you're dealing with you know, 50 invoices a week from 20 vendors with 800 items. 
And to get real data, you've got to get all that data off those invoices at a line item level into a system to give proper reports. And there are plenty of systems that can give you those reports if you can get all that data in. But yeah. it's very expensive and time consuming to get the data in. And God forbid you're a multi-unit operator in multiple states because you're getting liquor from different vendors in every state by law. You're getting fresh produce from different people. They're packaging it at different sizes, right? There's an enormous amount of complexity in the operations, the back office operations of a restaurant. So we knew that, and we knew the reports aren't the magic part. The magic part is getting the data into shape so that the reports make sense, and that's really what we focused on. So our software is built from the ground up so that restaurateurs literally never enter an invoice. They can't. They don't. They never enter an invoice. They don't put in, how many avocados did I buy, right? All of the data, when the picture is taken of that invoice, is processed by us. It's a combination of machine learning, people, people overseas, people stateside. We're up to 400 people that work on this stuff. We do 50,000 wow. invoices a week. We're really, really good at it. But the heart of it is, like, tomatoes come in 4x4, four 4x5, four, four right? Avocados come number two. You need to know the difference between a ripe avocado and a non-ripe avocado, a frozen tuna versus a fresh tuna, a pre-cut tuna versus tuna loin. Like, you have to know that stuff because that's what drives the inventory. That's what drives the recipes. And if you don't have that level of data, it all very quickly becomes worthless. And, and that's really what we built the system from the ground up for. We, we deal with an enormous number of SKUs. We're still getting something like 5,000 new SKUs into our database. So a new item the vendor sells that we've never seen before from any restaurant, we get like 5,000 a day. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> I know. And every single one of those goes through multiple quality assurance checks to make sure that the tomato is related to the tomatoes and the case size relates to the case size or the, the, the weight of whatever relates properly to the other things so that the whole system is... Um, structurally sound so that because a chef at the end of the day wants to look at their recipe and be like that's a burger recipe cost me three dollars to make the burger but the ground beef may come from five vendors and three sizes etc 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 right and we have to synchronize all of that data because all they care about is the burger recipe costs this much money does the software make specific suggestions for how restaurants can change or does it just present the data no, so, so that is where we're headed. So right now, 100% of what Margin Edge is doing is analyzing the data that we have collected and providing reporting. So we can tell you, you know, your menu costs and how much you sell of something and whether you're wasting something and, and all of that stuff. Um, but over the last 18 months, we've built up a pretty substantial da um, data science team of six people who are working on the algorithms to do all of the predictive work. So looking forward instead of backwards. And, you know, it all starts with predicting, you know, how many, so I own a sushi restaurant. How many salmon nigiris will I sell today? I've got to predict that within a specific range. And then from that, I can determine how much salmon should I prep? How much rice should I have? How much nori should I have? You know, well, not nori and nigiri, but you get it. Now um, I know where all of your references came from earlier when you're talking about tuna, tuna loin, avocado. It all makes sense now, Bo. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I have lived sushi <laughs> For 15 years, I know a fair bit about that. It's a conveyor belt sushi. If you've never had that before, it's quite I hard. have. I have. That's pretty cool. I didn't know, though. How are those things doing during the pandemic? Sorry, I feel like I'm sidetracking us. but So, no, it's okay. I mean, you know, conveyor belt sushi, we also, we operate in um, shopping malls. So, uh -huh. open, air, open air. And so, um, clobbered in, early, in the early pandemic, right? Yeah. Clobbered. But interestingly doing great now we're beating 2019 numbers like people are wow. out they're eating they're like they're active um yeah i think uh you know knock on wood even with obviously the massive surge in omicron i think um 
restaurants are still staying fairly busy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I, did, kind of- I did tell people like it's the worst of all words, worlds. Our food is uncooked. It's on a conveyor belt and it's in a giant shopping mall. So like if you're scared of global pandemics, like that's not a good combination of, <laughs> of food. But look at you now. You've come full circle, full conveyor belt, I should say. Um, yeah, actually, that's a really good segue for us, though, because I think so as we think about the pandemic, a lot of restaurants have had to adjust or even reinvent their service models on the fly over the past over these past couple of years, really, um, and a lot of them multiple times. So can you talk a little bit about the role technology ha- can and is going to play in supporting those processes? Sure. Yeah. I mean, as I was talking about with the delivery, it is crazy to see how much these numbers have bounced around and how much people have had to adapt. I think, I think technology plays a very large part. I mean, the way that most restaurateurs think about it is front of house and back of house, right? Those are two really separate ways to think about technology and operations. And and I think front of house clearly, right? You know, third party delivery systems, modern point of sale systems with pay a table and, and, you know, uh, order ahead for pickup and all of that have been critically important in the uh, and restaurants' ability to adapt to the, the current marketplace. But the same is true in back of house. The, the, um, you know, even before you get to technology, some hard decisions have had to be made about menus, right? And, and trying to streamline menus, simplify them, uh, make them in a way that you can use them for the restaurant, but you can also use it for takeaway and delivery, thinking about packaging and all of the things that, that allow you to get food out and keep the, and maintain quality. And so where technology can help with that is that, you know, the traditional sort of old school method for restaurants is you design a recipe based on the current price on the back of a napkin and a spreadsheet, wherever you do it. You say, okay, it's going to cost me two bucks to make my burger or whatever. Um, and then you just start making it, right? And time goes on and time goes on and you don't really go back and check those things. Um, but a system like ours allows all of the prices to be updated automatically so you know what those prices are in real time. And so if you're shifting your menu and you're trying to optimize your menu, and then of course we have supply chain issues and so prices go off the charts for all of the or for you know, specific variable uh, costs inside your menus, having a, a system that tells you all of that live so that you can actually make adjustments before you realize you're losing money on the things you're selling, um, yeah, can be equally critical to the more obvious front of house things, which are revenue drivers. Mm-hmm. I know there were some new numbers that came out today on restaurant costs. I don't have them in front of me. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I read this morning the, the the, the prediction was 7.1%. I didn't see what the number came out as, but yeah, no, I mean, December was the highest in our lifetime and I am not young. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure they're still quite high. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? I mean, you've got the combination of supply costs going up, labor costs clearly going up, even with labor costs going up, getting labor is hard. And so looking at different models for minimizing um, your need for labor and being able to um, to price appropriately um, is is it's I mean it's more challenging than it's been in literally decades. Um, I think I think one counterbalance because um, I do like to stay positive is I do think consumers are more um, open-minded and uh, frankly feeling a little bit giving towards restaurants. You know, it's fairly obvious and, and people are fairly well aware of what restaurants have been through for the last couple of years. And I think mm-hmm. I think particularly for the, the local restaurant groups and the, you know, the, the restaurant around the corner that you used to eat at pre-COVID, you know, people tend to be a little more forgiving about higher prices and certainly 
certainly we're seeing those prices go up, and I think restaurants are going to have to do that. There's no question. I mean, I, you know, one of the one of the interesting things for me about the pandemic is that it accelerated pre-existing trends, right? So before COVID, uh, fine dining was slow. Was the the revenue, the sales in fine dining were growing, but they were growing very slowly, and fast casual was growing faster. And so fast casual was clearly becoming a larger and larger segment of the dining market. Um, what we've seen since COVID is that that just went off the charts, and fast casual is now it's now growing much much faster, and fine dining actually is shrinking. Um, I think that, unfortunately, as much as I love fine dining and a lot of our clients are fine dining, I think that trend will be slower than it was over the last 18 months. But I do think it will continue. I think the cost of operating fine dining is just higher. And the only way to pay for that is higher check sizes. And substantially higher check sizes are going to have people choosing to do fast casual more over fine dining. It's not going to be the collapse of fine dining. There will still be bars. There will still be sure. good restaurants. There will still be places for us to go. But as far as a percentage of wallet, um, I do think we're going to see fast casual taking more and more and more. And you know, the, the general trend for over the long term has been uh, spend in um, prepared foods has been growing at a rate much faster than grocery, right? And I think it was three years ago, um, uh, spend on uh, prepared foods actually outpaced grocery or, or was greater than grocery for the first time ever. Um, and I think that's also going to continue. Like we like foods prepared for us. And, you know, as the country uh, progresses, we'll do more and more of that. But I do think we're going to see more of it coming out of fast casual than fine dining. Yeah. I mean, after at-home cooking for like two years, heck yeah. Okay. Someone else, please cook for me. Or in my case, make... a lot of delivery. Even yeah, delivery gets too. old. <laughs> I know, right? I agree. So. Yeah. Although I'll also say, and this is maybe just my old age, but I, uh, you know, I've been eating out the last few times I've eaten out and been at places where you take a picture of your barcode, whatever, and you place your order. And oh yeah. It's, like, it's so impersonal and it's so like, you know, I'm in a, like yesterday, lunch, business lunch, trying to have a conversation with a gentleman about, about business. And we're like, we spend 15 minutes getting the menu, ordering the menu, figuring out what we're <laughs> going to order and like looking at our phones and like, couldn't somebody just come ask me what I want? I miss those days. So I do hope some of that comes back. Well, as someone who writes about restaurant tech, I can tell you it's going to get worse before it gets better in that way. QR codes are held up as well, you know. I, I think that's true. But I do think, like, if you look at our client base, for example, and, and this is true broadly, you know, the the there's always been a spectrum between fine dining, polished casual, casual, fast casual, right? There's this spectrum and there's not really a clear line between any of them. I do think that the QSR codes and, um, and the order at table is just gonna be more towards the fast casual and, and there will be a premium people are willing to pay to be able to walk in, have somebody come over, tell you what they like, ask you what you want, right? and provide the good old fashioned hospitality that so many of us love. I mean, look, I go to the airport and I have to do my own self check-in. Like I get it, but I would pay extra, honestly, just to talk to humans. Wow. I, this is, you know, that topic in particular, this, especially like the last season of the show, what, there's been so much debate around this. Do we like it? Do we not like it? Do we want it? Do we not? I think the where we landed in the end was most people said they liked paying their check digitally, but they wanted to be able to talk to somebody in the whole yeah. process. So especially if you were at, if you were dealing with wine or even like if you're at a 
pub or you're at a brewery and you want to talk about the beers and you, you really want that. But when it comes to paying the check and everything, but anyway, no, that actually, I totally agree with. There's no reason to wait for, wait for the check. The check and frankly, right? nobody's carrying cash. And why do I even need a, yeah. like, why can't I pay with Apple pay or something yeah. like that? I, that I totally get. Um, and certainly there's plenty of instances where the QSR code's great. Um, to bring it back to restaurant management software, I'm curious what you see on the horizon, especially given we're talking about how the industry is kind of fragmenting, fast casual is growing, fine dining is thinning, they have different needs. Well, interestingly, I mean, at least for me, interestingly, they don't actually have different needs in back of house. It's amazingly similar, right? It's, um, it's you walk in in the morning, you see what's in inventory, you figure out your prep, you do your prep sheet, you sell through the day. At the end of the day, you place your order so that you're ready again the next day. And, and it really is very similar, fast, casual, and full service. Um, but as far as where I think it's going, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this briefly, but I am a big believer in uh, data science and machine learning. And, um, you know, I actually for fun did a master's in data science myself uh, that I just finished about six months ago. I, I really, I think it's, I think it's a future of all software. Like all software is going to move from reporting to predicting, but certainly in the restaurant business. I mean, if you think about what we do, for example, when we connect to a client, we are able to pull in uh, from 62 different types of point of sale system. We can pull in the last several years of data down to how many French fries, how many substitute items, how many everything right, for the last two years, every single day. And that's plenty of data to do predictive analysis for the next few days, which is all that you really need is to know what's coming before my next order um, or what my sales will be before my next order. So predicting what people will sell down to the item level and then from that doing dynamic inventory and dynamic mm -hmm. ordering so that when you walk into a restaurant, as a, as a kitchen manager, as a chef, as a cook, when I walk into a restaurant, I don't have to really think about all that stuff. Like the inventory will be what it is because it knows what it should be for that day. And I can focus on the quality control aspects and uh, the preparation of food rather than the, the ordering and, and sort of management. Of it. I have one follow-up actually. Given all the data science and the predictions and everything software can do, how do you see that balancing with chef creativity? Oh, I think it balances beautifully. I mean, I think the thing, the thing, that chefs don't like is placing an order, counting an inventory, right? All of that that sort of stuff that has to happen in order for a restaurant to function properly. It's just mechanics. You just have somebody has to do it all. The stuff that a chef loves is designing a menu, right? The chef loves preparing the food. The chef loves the interaction with the customer. Like all of all of those things, those Absolutely, the chef can lean into. What I'm talking about are, you know, that it's the end of the night, the chef is exhausted, and they're not allowed to leave. They have to go do a count of every item, see how many tomatoes they have, see what the par for tomatoes is. Think about, wait, tomorrow's gonna snow, it's gonna rain, it's gonna be a holiday, I need more tomatoes, I need less tomatoes. Build an order guide for all of their produce and every other thing that's fresh, all their fish, everything else call the vendors, order that stuff. That's after they worked their long shift, right? right? So if all that shit was automated and they could actually focus on preparing food and quality and designing recipes, uh, I, think it, I think it pairs very nicely with the art of a kitchen. Well, that was great, Bo. Thank you so much for joining us. This was really interesting. And um, it just was a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Claudia and Kristen. It's great to meet you both.
Want to hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief, and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, Eat.News. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms.